Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for January 21, 2024. That's the third Sunday after the Epiphany this year. And as we continue to follow the order of the stories in the CPH textbook, 120 Bible Stories, we arrive at Lesson 17, Joseph Forgives His Brothers. You can find that summary of the story in the textbook on page 42, and it covers Genesis 42 through 45. So three plus chapters of the Bible are summed up in this story. We'll, uh, we'll read through most of it and offer some commentary along the way. Just by way of background, again, Jacob has um, many sons from four different mothers. And uh, among his sons, his favorite has been Joseph, because Joseph is the only child born to his favorite wife, Rachel. The other sons, for a variety of reasons, some, I suppose, reasonable at least, and others unreasonable, the other sons do not like Joseph very much at all. And Jacob certainly favors Joseph, gives him his coat of many colors, shows him other favors. And so when the brothers have a chance, they seize Joseph, they, they fake his death by, by putting animal's blood on, on his coat, and then they sell him off to slavery in Egypt. So in our last installment, in, in Lesson 16, we heard about the beginning of Joseph's time in Egypt. He is sold to a man named Potiphar, and he becomes uh, the second-in-command. He becomes Potiphar's right-hand man, overseeing everything in Potiphar's household until Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and then falsely accuses him of rape, at which point Joseph is thrown into prison. There in prison, Joseph kind of becomes second in command again. He becomes the warden's right-hand man. He's the prisoner in charge of all the prisoners. And while he's there, he interprets the dreams of two of Pharaoh's officials, the baker and the cupbearer. And Joseph declares that Pharaoh will execute the baker and, uh, and that he'll spare the cupbearer. And Joseph's prophecies prove to be true. Long after the cupbearer is released from prison, Pharaoh starts to have troubling dreams. The cupbearer remembers uh, Joseph's ability to interpret dreams, and so he tells Pharaoh. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams correctly, predicts seven years of plenty, of great harvests, followed by seven years of dire famine, and tells Pharaoh he should put someone in charge of collecting all the extra food from these bonus harvests in preparation for the famine. And Pharaoh pardons Joseph and elevates him to second in command of the land of Egypt and puts him in charge of, um, of gathering the grain and preparing for this, this famine that is to come. In the meantime, Pharaoh renames Joseph, calls him zaphnath Paneah. He, uh, he sees to it that Joseph is married and Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So, after arriving as a slave, 
after doing time falsely accused as a prisoner, Joseph is now second in command of Egypt. And we talked about how in all of this, Joseph is a type of Christ who is uh, falsely accused, who suffers for, for doing what is right, and who now sits at Pharaoh's right hand, even as Jesus has suffered um, unjustly accused, suffered in our place, even though he's kept God's law perfectly, has died for us, is risen again, and now sits at God's right hand. So now we have the portion of Genesis where Joseph and his brothers meet again. And so Genesis 42 begins back in the land of Canaan, where the food is getting scarce. So chapter 42, verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So, Ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. One more element of the story I neglected to mention before is that Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, has one more son after Joseph is presumed dead. Um, That's Benjamin. Rachel dies in childbirth. Benjamin is named uh, Ben-Oni by Rachel, son of my sorrow. But Jacob calls him Benjamin instead. When Jacob sends his other ten sons to Egypt for food, he keeps Benjamin behind. Benjamin is, is all he has left of Rachel. In fact, we'll hear him say so a little bit later on in our text um, in Genesis 42, verse 38. So, so Jacob sort of has a new favorite, but after all that happened with Joseph, we don't hear the brothers hating Benjamin too much. Anyways, we read in 42, verse 6, Now Joseph was governor over the land... He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. All right, so remember, Joseph's name has been changed from Joseph to Zaphonath Paneah. Time has gone by. People change. He recognizes his brothers. And as he was younger, he's probably changed more than they have. Plus, now he looks like an Egyptian. So his brothers don't recognize him. They come begging him for food. And he remembers the dreams that he had dreamed of them. If you remember a couple of stories back, we had Joseph's dreams back in Canaan, where he dreamed of of a harvest where um, everybody's stalks of grain bowed down to his stalk of grain. 
And he had another harvest where the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to him. And now these dreams have come true. His, uh, his father and mother are not present, but uh, his brothers are. And they are now bowing down before him, the youngest. And he can save their lives by giving them grain or not. Now, this doesn't prompt Joseph to, to exact revenge. It does remind him of the dreams, and those dreams remind him that God has foretold this, and so now he is, he is to act in the way that God would have him act. And Joseph probably knows the promise given to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob that through their descendants, all nations will be blessed. The Messiah will come. So Joseph elects to give food to his brothers and to send them on their way for the Messiah may be born through one of their lines, assuming they stay alive. And um, while he does send them away with food, he also wants to test them to see if they have changed. So before he gives them food, the test begins. And we read in the rest of verse 9 of chapter 42. And Joseph said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, No, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men... Let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then one of them said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered him, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not understand. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, and to replace every man's money in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. 
This was done for them. All right, so Joseph accuses his brothers of being spies. They object, but he insists, and he is, after all, second in command of Egypt, and he's the guy with the food and all the heavily armed guard around them. Um, He puts them in prison for three days, and then he gives them this deal, if you will. All but one of them can return to Canaan, One of them must stay imprisoned in Egypt, and the brothers have to bring back their youngest brother as proof that they're telling the truth. Meanwhile, as the brothers confer, Joseph understands everything. He has an interpreter there so that they don't know that he understands Hebrew, but he can hear them debating. He knows who they are, and at least he hears at this point that they are troubled, and that they, they are guilty and know their guilt for, for um, assuming that they've killed their younger brother, Joseph. So at least now he knows their guilt, and he also now knows that his father is alive. So he, re- he gives them the grain that they need. He also returns their money into their sacks, gives them provisions for the journey back, and sends them on their way, except for Simeon, who's going to be imprisoned in Egypt until they return with Benjamin. So they get all the getting's good. In verse 26, we read, Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their fathers saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin." All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to me on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. 
So the brothers return home. They tell Jacob what has happened. As they open up their sacks, they find out that each one has their money returned to them, which on the one hand is nice because they have the money back, but they're going to run out of food. Joseph already is accused of being spies. So now it may well be that uh, he suspects him of being thieves or accuses him of being thieves as well. So now they are afraid. What do they do when they have to go back to Egypt? And they do have to go back to Egypt, not just for grain, but because Simeon is there. And they have to take Benjamin down to get Simeon released, except Jacob says no. And hard to blame him. Every time the brothers go somewhere, Jacob loses a son. He sends Joseph to see how his sons are doing with the flocks far away. And when the sons come back, Joseph is assumed dead, torn apart by animals. He sends his sons down to Egypt to bring back food, and they return without Simeon. I mean, a dozen more trips and he's out of sons. Now, they want to take his beloved Benjamin the only child he has left from Rachel. And Jacob says, no, he's not going with you because I've lost too many sons already. And if I lose Benjamin, I'll die. Reuben even offers uh, that Jacob can hold his two sons as a ransom. Jacob can kill him if Reuben doesn't bring Simeon and Benjamin back, but, uh, but Jacob still, still refuses. At any rate, Reuben has gone a long way from let's kill Joseph because you don't like him to I pledge to bring Benjamin back or else my own sons can die in his place. At any rate... They stay in Canaan for a while, and the food runs out, and we read in 43, verse 1, Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send your brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. So, Jacob does not want to let Benjamin go to Egypt. They can't get food unless Benjamin goes to Egypt. Jacob is afraid that Benjamin will die along the way or in Egypt, that he won't come back. And Judah points out that um, if they don't go down to Egypt, they all, including Benjamin, 
will starve to death. So verse 11, Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them. And Benjamin, they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we were brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us his servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us. We have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought out Simeon to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. So they... uh. The brothers return with Benjamin to Egypt. Joseph knows they're coming, sees them coming, and, and invites them to his house for a meal. That's quite a turnaround from being accused of spies. So the brothers suspect that this is how they're going to disappear. So they make clear to the steward of the house right away that they have the money that, that was returned to them plus more money. And, uh, and the steward says, don't worry about it. Your God has put this into your sacks, this treasure into your sacks, um, and we, we consider ourselves paid in full. So they, they prepare for the meal and they await for Joseph's coming. And in verse 26, we read, When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with him and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. 
They served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So Joseph comes, sees his brothers, meets Benjamin. When it's time for the meal, he arranges them to sit from the oldest to the youngest. And the brothers wonder, they're amazed why Joseph would know this, but he does. And while they each receive adequate food, Benjamin receives five times as much as any of the rest of them. But they drink and are merry with Joseph, so it appears that uh, the meal goes well. Start of 44, verse 1, Then he commanded the steward of his house, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, Let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? All right, so in this section, Joseph has sent his brothers on their way with food. He's got his silver cup placed in Benjamin's sack. Um, He gives them some time to get away, then has a steward pursue them, accuses them of stealing his cup, and, and the steward tells him that Joseph uses this cup for divination. This is how he knows things like who's the oldest and who's the youngest and, and things like that. Um, and, and the brothers swear they don't have it. They even say, hey, if any one of us has it, let him die. And the steward says, fine. And then he searches the bags, the sacks, and of course the cup is found in Benjamin's. So now Benjamin is going to die or else he's going to serve as a slave in Joseph's house for the rest of his life. And the brothers now have to return to Jacob and say, 
Now we've lost Benjamin too. They're brought back before, uh, before Joseph who says, What deed is this you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? So Joseph brings up this, this divination thing again, and I think it's because he wants to test his brothers not just to see if they're, if they're sorry uh, uh, for, for what they did to him, but also to see if they are faithful to God. And so we read in verse 16 and following, Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, But he said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah went up to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, Go again, buy us a little food, we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen his, him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs and evil to Sheol." Now, therefore, said Judah to Joseph, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Two things about this passage, because I know this podcast is going along. First off, while Joseph tempts him to believe that he knows these things by divination, Judah says, no, it's God who has found out the guilt of your servants. So rather than, than believe that Joseph has some, some godly power, Judah says, no, this is God at work, not you. Then he retells the story again to reinforce his sorrow, his repentance. And then Judah offers to take Benjamin's place to be the substitute for Benjamin's supposed sin. Joseph was falsely accused and imprisoned. Nobody cared. Benjamin is falsely accused and about to be enslaved. And Judah says, no, 
I gave my, my life as a pledge. I'll take his place. Let him go. All right, then our story winds up. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Quite the revelation. Joseph declares, hey, the brother you thought you killed that you sold into slavery, that's me. And they're stunned and dismayed because Joseph clearly has the power to do to them whatever he wants to. Well, Joseph doesn't exact revenge. Instead, he gathers his brothers around him. He reiterates that he is, in fact, Joseph. He declares that God was responsible for bringing him down to Egypt to preserve life to preserve their lives. And so Joseph tells them to return to the land of Canaan to get Jacob and their families and bring them back down to Egypt so that they might survive the famine and in fact prosper. Then he embraces Benjamin once again. He kisses all his brothers and weeps upon them. They know that he's not up for revenge. And then his brothers talk with him. All right. So real quick then, how does this this story point to Christ? Well, first off, Joseph is ruling at Pharaoh's right hand. He's the second in command of Egypt. And as, as the guy at Pharaoh's right hand, Jesus provides daily bread for all. Both the citizens of Egypt and his brothers, he provides provides daily bread for all nations. Jesus, equally God with God the Father and at his right hand, it is through him that we receive daily bread as well. Second, when Joseph has the cup put in Benjamin's sack, he holds, he holds the innocent son responsible for the sins of his brothers. Likewise, Jesus, the innocent son, the only begotten son of God, is held responsible for our sins, and he suffers for them on the cross. Judah then offers to take Benjamin's place in that suffering so that he might be spared. So now Judah is also a type of Christ who, uh, who claims a... Uh, claims a punishment for the cup, even as Jesus takes the cup of wrath for our sin and dies in our place. Fourth, Joseph tells his brothers in Genesis 45, verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So God sent Joseph that a remnant might live. God has sent Jesus so a remnant of sinners, his church might be forgiven and live forever. Fifth, Joseph was once betrayed and sold by his brothers 
now provides a home for them. Jesus, once betrayed and sold and crucified by man, now provides a heavenly home for us. Sixth, and I'll just close with this for the sake of time, Psalm 105, verses 16 to 22, talk about Joseph. And I'll read those verses as a close to this podcast. So, so listen to them thinking about Joseph and how they also fit Jesus. Psalm 105, 16 to 22. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread... He sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure, and to teach his elders wisdom. Psalm 106, verses 16 through 22. As Joseph, so also Jesus. Until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.